And so it's the same thing when it comes to these filters, when it comes to like, when I look at situations, it's like, okay, what's the learning in this? Where's the lesson in this when something doesn't happen? I don't even think of failure as failure. I think of like one of my morning routines when I go through my, what I call my first principles and I have this, I don't believe in failure. I believe in experiments. They work out as the way I expect or the way I don't, but either way I learn something right? That filter applied to any situation goes, hey, you know what? And the thing is, is that like, far as we know, we get life one time. This is our one chance to do this, this whole thing called life. I can live in a state of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how terrible, or I can live in a state of, yeah, that didn't work. Let's learn to move on. Or as my jujitsu instructor used to say, you either win or you learn. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to I Love Mortgage Brokering Podcast. Today, I'm continuing on my 10 loans a month series. This is a tactical podcast we produce every week, and I'm your host, Scott Peckford. Today, I'm going to share with you something that I call the theory of general responsivity, not the theory of general relativity. And why I believe this simple formula actually has the power to transform just the way you look at things in general. And so, before we jump into this episode, though, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform that is pretty dang slick. So from a borrower's perspective, it's really easy to use. It's got smart docs so that it intelligently knows which documents you need based on how they fill out the application. It's also integrated with Lender Spotlight. So when you go to hit the submit button, you actually get to see and you choose the lender. It actually shows you the guidelines for that lender. So you go, oh, wait a second, this is going to be an issue. So you save yourself time, save your lender time. And then, of course, directly submits to lenders. So very cool. Check it out, finmo.ca. So let's jump into today's session. So I've been doing a series called The Science of Brokering, where I take a principle from psychology or sociology and show how you can use this to run a better mortgage business. This is a formula that I've kind of come up with that has been very helpful for me, and maybe it'll be helpful for you. Maybe you're going to think I'm crazy. So to be 100% transparent, though, this is something that I have come up with by just studying neurology, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, as well as psychology, and then applying this to my own personal life. I'm the lab rat, and I'm the experimenter in this. And so I'm always like running these experiments and going, okay, is this working? Is this not working? And so when I say responsivity, what I mean is, is the degree to which something is responsive or the state or property of being responsive. And so I've got this formula that I've applied and I use it as a way to look at situations to help give me some space so I can make better decisions. And so before I jump into that, though, I wanted to tell you a quick story about how new ideas sound crazy until they're not, until they become normal. So I remember once I read a book about the guy who did the very first heart bypass where they basically, hey, we're going to pump the blood over to the side here so we can work on the heart. And the doctor who proposed this, it sounded like a good on paper, but of course, the ethical dilemmas of doing this. And so when he decided that he was going to do this and they did it, it actually was on mothers that they needed to get surgery on their children. And so they were like, okay, we don't do the surgery. Your child's going to die. So can we do it? And of course the mother's like, yes, it's worth the risk because I don't want my child dying. And so they would do this surgery and they figured out that they could actually bypass the heart. They could bypass the heart, continue the pumping, work on it, fix the problem, you know, basically stop the heart from pumping on its own and pump it on the side. And so when he decided that he was going to test this on a larger scale and they, he met a guy from IBM who basically said, hey, we can create a machine that can do the pumping so you don't have to do it by hand. So they had a machine. And so he booked a bunch of the surgeries at different hospitals all on the same day because if things blew up, he was like, well, at least I got to run multiple experiments and we'll see how it goes. So, of course, at the time, but like, is this ethical? Is this crazy? He could be killing people. What is he doing? But, of course, everything is crazy until it becomes normal. And now, like in the U.S., they do 500,000 of these a year. And it is routine as I've got a friend who's a heart surgeon. And he says, I'm just a plumber. That's not true. He's a humble man. But 
the truth is, is that this stuff sounds kind of crazy. So all that to put a frame around the idea that what I'm going to share with you right now, you may be like, Scott, this is the craziest stuff I've ever heard you say. And hopefully you don't think that way, but if you do, that's okay. I can live with it. So basically I think of this idea theory of general responsivity is that there's this formula. And if you want to think about this, maybe write it down to make more sense to you. Response equals, and you're going to go event plus context. So your response equals the event plus the context. I'll break this all down for you in a second. Divide it by the filter that you apply to the situation. So you write it out, R equals E plus C, right? You put brackets around it, over F, and F is the filter. When you look at situations like this, a response is almost predictable based on this formula. And so let me break down the pieces of the formula for you so you can understand them. So the response obviously is how you respond to a situation. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You know, your spouse makes you angry. They forget to take out the garbage again, whatever. Client doesn't call you back. Realtor no-shows you on a meeting right? These are things that you're going to respond to it. So the event is the external thing that's happening. And you cannot control the event. You can avoid certain events. Of course, you can be like, hey, I'm not going to have a relationship with a person who's toxic. But in most cases, the events happen and you can't control them. The context you can sometimes alter. And the context is how things happen. So for instance, let's say your spouse is really annoying you. And you decide I got to say something about this. And you decide I'm going to bring it up at dinner in front of the whole family and I'm gonna say, hey, look, you know when you did this, it really annoyed me. You are applying, okay, here's the event, right? The situation I'm gonna share with them within the context of in front of a whole bunch of other people. And then I wonder how they're gonna respond. Are they gonna respond in a positive way? Going, oh, you know what, thanks for telling me. I really appreciate that. No, they're gonna be defensive. They're gonna strike back at you. So of course you can adjust the context, which can then affect the response. So you as a person who's, you know, acting as an independent agent on someone else or in a situation, think about the context. And then the filter is the way we view a situation. What is our perception of this? And then that's going to influence all of it. So you take that event, you take that context, and then I apply my filter. What do I think about the situation? And then the response is almost automatic when you look at it this way. And so I'll give you an example. So one time I was out hiking with my dad and I had to stop because my dog had to you know, do his thing. And so I stop him. My dad just keeps going. He's just like, he's an ex-military guy. Like he was a phys ed instructor in the military. And he just goes, and I look up and he's like gone. He's like way ahead of me. And I'm like, it took me forever to catch him, right? Honestly, right? Event was he takes off on me, context. We're supposed to be hiking together. Filter, I'm annoyed. I'm like, okay, this is annoying. You asked me to go hiking and then you take off. And so I'm sitting there kind of steaming about this. And I'm like, what's my response to this? How can I respond to the situation? Because I would say, hey, man, like, what the heck are you doing? Like, if I respond to him in a defensive, angry tone, he's going to get defensive and angry too, right? It's pretty much guaranteed that if I go, hey, what the heck, you know, why you do this to me? He's going to be like, what do you mean? No, no, no. Like, and so it's just going to be one of these situations. So as we're driving back in the car, I said, you know, dad, you said ask to go hiking and then you take off of me. It kind of hurts my feelings, which is a very vulnerable thing to say. So I apply my response then I add some vulnerability to it. And he's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. You know, sometimes I just kind of get in my head, just like me. My dad is probably slightly autistic like I am. And he just takes off. He then apologized issues, no problem. So you can see how that same context, if I did that and we were, let's say, having a family dinner, and I'm like, hey, man, you don't know when we hiking. That was so annoying. And da, da, da. that is just going to turn into a bad situation. Nobody's going to be like, yeah, you're right. It's just we're going to turn into a fight. So when I think about situations now and my response to things, I always look at this formula, response equals event plus context divided by filter. The most manipulated piece of this formula is the filter. It's how do I view this situation? What is the story I'm telling myself about this? So for instance, client doesn't call you back. So you have a client, you know, you've been talking, things are good, and then they just ghost you. Nothing. You're like, oh, I bet you they're working with somebody else. Maybe they're talking to their bank. 
you're putting all this meaning into this. You have no idea, but you're putting all this meaning into it. All of a sudden, two weeks later, they come back. Hey, sorry about that. You know what? We had a family situation going on. Put the whole mortgage thing on hold, but now I'm back. And you're like, oh, you feel all your stress goes away. It wasn't the event. It was the story you're telling yourself about the event. And that was causing you, the response to you to have, you know, if you felt like the person was screwing you over, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, if the story tells me, yeah, they're probably going somewhere else. They're probably going to leave me. And especially even worse, a victim mentality. Oh, here we go again. Another client's going to do the same thing. Like all that stuff, you're going to end up showing up terrible. And then when you do interact with that person, it's going to show up in your emotions and stuff. And so one of the things that I really believe is super important is just thinking about this formula of response equals event plus context divided by mindset filter. Now, normally when I coach on this topic, I do it in one of our coaching calls and I and I'll draw it out for them. Can't do that on a podcast. So you're just going to have to kind of track with me. And so kind of where this whole thing came from was there's something in your brain called the reticular activating system. So this is the neurology part. Your RAS is a super filter. Anytime it's filtering about 2 million pieces of data. So you're sitting there right now, you're in your car or whatever, you're at the gym, all this stuff's happening around you, but you're tuned into just a small amount of that. Because if you tried to put all that in your brain, you're probably, your brain would melt. It wouldn't physically melt, but you'd just be like, I can't handle all this data. So your RAS is constantly filtering things out. Junk, 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 junk. Oh, important. For instance, your name, you know, I've I've had this happen. I'm in an airport, all this noise, babies, kids crying, making noise, somebody ordering coffee, headphones on, kind of have music in the background. All of a sudden, Scott Peckford, please proceed to gate B27. Your plane is leaving. I'm like, holy crap, that's my name. Your RAS is running in the background saying, I heard my name. You're not sit there going, listen for my name, listen for my name. You are off in La La Land. By the way, this has actually happened to me a couple of times, unfortunately. If I get, you know, start daydreaming, I'm like, oh my gosh, I almost missed my plane. You don't want to be the annoying person who gets on the plane. Everybody else is sitting there going, where the frick were you, buddy? And I'm like, oh, sorry. Anyway, our RAS is listening for things like our name. The other thing our RAS is looking for are things that you tell are important. So if every day you get up and you watch the news and you get yourself stressed out and you go, oh my gosh, the world is coming. I can't believe how crazy. Look at this politics and what do they believe? And oh my God, you are programming your RAS to look for more negative stuff. Your RAS is going, this is clearly important because this guy is really hooked on it. We're going to bring more of this to him and we're going to show it to him. You're going to end up with a stressed out, you know, you're not going to show up at your best. And here's my filter on this. The truth is I can't control these things. I can't control the government, whatever position I fall on. I can't control the people who make these decisions. And so what can I control my day-to-day response to these things? And for the most part, I filter most of that out. So your uh, reticular activating system is absolutely programmable by you, but often we're unconscious of it. So we program it, but because we're doing bad habits of like what we're watching, what we're listening to. And then all of a sudden, we're just finding more of it. Another example of this would be, let's say you decide, okay, I'm going to buy a black T-Rex 1500 Dodge Ram, which incidentally is on my list of things to buy. If you don't know this truck, it's wicked 37 inch wheels. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit redneck. So I love this truck. And once you program into your RAS, you go to look to buy one, you're going to see it everywhere. You're like, wow, I can't believe how many of these I see, right? You decide you want to buy a white car or you decide you want to have a baby. All of a sudden, look at all the people that are pregnant. Oh my gosh. Look at all the people that are pregnant. Did all of a sudden everybody in the world want to become pregnant or want to buy that car? No. Your RAS is just programmed to look for it for you because you told it it was important. And so it's the same thing when it comes to these filters, when it comes to like, when I look at situations, it's like, okay, what's the learning in this? Where's the lesson in this when something doesn't happen? I don't even think of failure as failure. I think of like one of my morning routines when I go through my, what I call my first principles and I have this, I don't believe in failure. I believe in experiments. They work out as the way I expect or the way I don't, but either way I learn something, right? That filter applied to any situation goes, Hey, you know what? And the thing is, is that like, far as we know, we get life one time. This is our one chance to do this, this whole thing called life. I can live in a state of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how terrible, 
or I can live in a state of, yeah, that didn't work. Let's learn to move on. Or as my jujitsu instructor used to say, you either win or you learn, right? You win, you did the match, you won it, or you didn't and you learned something. And so this is how I think about failure. Now, the filter I apply to any of these situations, it doesn't mean that things don't still sting. Of course, they're going to still sting, but they don't sting for as long because the filter I'm applying to these things is like, oh man, there's a lesson here. And then how do I not repeat it? Because we've all seen people in life that were like, man, I can't believe that person's doing the exact same stupid thing. Maybe some of these people in your family, I can't believe they're doing the same stupid thing again. And again. are they not paying any attention? Everybody can see it. It's like, here they go. You know, maybe it's a person who goes into these toxic relationships, whatever. You see it there over and over again and they don't see it, right? And then they act like the victim on the backside of like, I can't believe, how could this keep happening? You're like, you keep choosing this. You keep making, like, you've got a big part to play in this situation. And so I think that it's really important to think about how we're programming that. So that's the uh, RAS. The second part of this uh, comes from what's called NLP, neurolinguistic programming, which is language of the mind. Hypnosis is a part of that. And, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't know how this stuff works. I can tell you that in my own life, man, this stuff works like crazy. So, and the one thing I do believe to be true is that this concept comes from NLP is that people do three things with information. So that RAS that's collecting information for us. We do three things. They come to us. We delete it if we don't like it. So this is why you can have two people that'll argue to the death that one of them is a vaxxer, one of them is an anti-vaxxer, and they both think they're right. And you can't convince them with no data. Nothing's going to change either one of their minds, right? Or if they're political parties, whatever side they lean on, and if they're really adamant, they're not changing it. They're like fake news. They'll both call fake news on each other's news. So we delete things. Also, we distort things. So we're like, oh, I don't like this. I'll distort it into a way I, that makes sense for the way I view the world. And then the other thing we do with information is we generalize. So we like to simplify things. We create categories and go, this is what's going on here. So delete, distort, and generalize information. And then with that, we create a model of the world. So we don't actually see the world as it is because two people, you know, two kids grew up the same family, same personality. One of them's like, I hate my parents. The other one's like, my child was pretty good. Like, what was the difference? You know, it was the way that they viewed it, right? The way they delete, distort, and generalize information. And so again, comes back to the programming when I think about that formula, response equals event plus context divided by filter, I'm very conscious of what filters am I applying here? Because I'm applying them and I'm like, can I choose a different filter? Is there another way to look at this situation that's going to be more beneficial, that's going to be more positive? You know, I think back to one time when Jules and I were, you know, growing her business up, we had been, you know, false starts, hiring underwriters, letting them go, hiring them. And we had somebody that we hired and it was a friend of hers and it wasn't working out. Great person, not the right fit for that role. And, you know, Jules and I had this conversation. I'm like, we got to let him go. I said, Jules, I'll do it. I'm your business partner. She's like, no, 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 I will do this. This is not happening to me. This is happening for me, right? Just let me let that sink in for a second. This is not happening to me. It's happening for me so that I could become a better leader, a better chooser of employees, a better insert, whatever. And so that filter switches it around from, oh my gosh, how could this be happening to me so that I can learn something? And so this is why I believe that the way that this formula works, at least the way I apply this in my life, and again, the way I delete, distort, and generalize information is you're going to have a hard time convincing me that the effects that I've seen by applying this to my own personal situation, that this does not work. So if I don't like the response, okay, is there anything I can do with the context? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't because it's an event that's happened to you. All right, how about the filter? How can I apply a filter to this? What's a way that I can look at this? And what's the most helpful way? Is there another way to look at it? So these are kind of questions you ask yourself. Is there something else that could be going on? Is there another way I can look at this situation? What can I learn from this situation? You know, these are questions that help you change that filter. And then all of a sudden, the response to that event changes, right? So hopefully you find that helpful. Hopefully you don't find that too crazy. Hopefully it wasn't too confusing given I don't have any way to diagram this out for you. But this whole idea, the theory of general responsivity, test it out in your own life. 
come back, say, Scott, doesn't work. Makes no sense to me. But I would say to you, write this down. Response equals event plus context. The event is the part that is very difficult to change, especially when something done to you. You can't choose somebody, you know, running into your car when you're sitting at a light and you're going, what the heck, man? I was just sitting here and you ran into me, right? The context in that case, you can't choose either, but you can choose your filter. How am I going to respond? What is my response going to be like for this situation? And you're going to find that, like me, that this is a very powerful way to completely transform situations and do them quickly. Instead of like this, like long drag and stuff like forever and ever, like when you change the filter, everything changes. Like, oh my gosh, I'd never seen it this way before. All of a sudden, a situation that you were looking one way, maybe it was looking terrible, whatever, you're like, oh, okay. And then when you change that, then the whole emotion around it changes. And since we're emotional creatures, we make decisions with emotion, we justify with the logic, then it can change your emotion, which will change the way that you show up. Anyways, I hope you find that helpful. Thanks for checking out this episode. If you're listening to this and you're like, hey, Scott, this is kind of interesting. One of the things we do in our academies every week, we bring in different mindset coaches. I do some of them, but most of the time we have other people that are experts on a whole bunch of variety of topics when it comes to mindset. Because I believe, man, we can learn the best strategies, the best tactics. But if you don't get the mindset right, you're not going to do it. Like you're not. You're just going to be like, ah, it's not going to work. It won't work for me. And so this is why we focus on mindset. But our 10 Loans a Month Academy, we invest in mindset for our agents. And so check out 10loansamonth.com. And we are not currently open, but we do open a few times a year. So if you get on that wait list, when we open our doors again, we'll let you know what we have for coaching available. Check that out. Thanks again for checking this episode. I really appreciate it. I think it was a little longer than usual. Hopefully this whole topic makes sense to you. And if not, give it a try, apply it to your life and let me know how it goes. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.